Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. Well, as we know, as Mark said, we begin a series today on the family. Uh, Next week is Mother's Day. Next month we will have Father's Day. And so it's good timing to focus on some family matters because family matters. If we were to go into the world issues, the global issues class at the high school, and we were to ask students to discuss the question, what does a typical family look like? I think it would make for a much more diverse and lively conversation than it would have been when I was in high school. Uh, There have been some major changes in understanding and describing what a family is. And I want to acknowledge this morning as we begin this series that the very word family will bring to mind not only a diversity of descriptions, but it will bring to mind a great mix of memories. Uh, Some of them will be good. Some of them will be great. Some of them will be wonderful. Some of them will be downright weird. Some of them will be hard, and some of them will be horrible. I listened in disbelief this week, the news of parents in California who for years caged, beat, and shackled 12 of their 13 children when they disobeyed. They range from age 2 to 29. They were allowed to shower once a year. They were allowed to eat once a day. And finally, their 17-year-old daughter escaped. She got out a window and she cried out, she called out for help. She recognized that this was not right behavior how they were being treated. She didn't even know her address. She didn't, well, she didn't own a cell phone, so she didn't know a phone number to call. I understand from what I read that when somebody asked her if she was on any medication, that she didn't even know what the word medication meant. Because they had been so oppressed, and she said that she had only a grade one education. That was their homeschooling. But she did know to call 911. And yet what amazed me about these children was how many of them still said that they loved their parents. You know how deep and strong the bond is uh, among family members? Now, they, they didn't all say that. But some of them said they still love their parents and they forgave them because of the faith that they did have in God. Uh, Incredible. 
I don't know where I would have been at if I had been through that, if I could have said that. I really don't know if I could have said that. So do you remember the word dysfunctional? Uh, Dysfunctional used to be a word that got thrown around, I think, a lot more than than it is today. I don't hear it used so much anymore. Dysfunctional means deviating or differing from normal behavior. That's more or less the definition of dysfunctional. And we've come to realize that even if a family had a traditional look of a mom and a dad and a couple of children, it didn't mean that their behavior was normal, unless normal meant imperfect, in which case all families are dysfunctional in some way or other. And that's basically where we've come to say, no, we don't label certain families as dysfunctional and the rest as functional, because the reality is we're all tainted by imperfection And we are all tainted by the reality and the power of sin from the beginning of time. And so we're all dysfunctional. So we just need to get over it and admit it, right? And I have been personally assured by a couple of Christian counselors over the years that I and the family I grew up in qualify quite nicely as dysfunctional. They didn't have any problem telling me that I'm dysfunctional. So we don't need, we don't hear the word so much anymore. Because for one thing, there isn't really a supposed normal. And even in the traditional, what was thought to be normal look, we could point to many examples where behind the scenes, behind the appearance of what seemed to be all together with the plastic smiles, uh, that it wasn't all necessarily so good. But I want to celebrate where it is. Because oftentimes it is good, Amen. And you may have or have had a wonderful experience with family and say, don't run it down. And I will not run it down because uh, I believe in the family. And I believe God believes in the family because God is the one who brought it about. And in Canada, for the purpose of census taking, this is what StatsCan defines the family as. This is just uh, summarized a little bit. It's a little bit longer, but this is essentially the definition that a family is a married or common-law couple and any children of either or both spouses or partners or a single parent with at least one child living in the same dwelling. I would like to add to that that if a person is alone living in a family, I wouldn't want to take away from the fact that that person is still part of a family. Amen? Uh, Because nobody is less because of what their family looks like. But that definition more or less pretty much covers it. And here are, I believe, four important points about understanding or defining family as we begin this series. First of all, family, family is not about a, a definition or, or, or the stringing of some words together to say this is the theory of family. Family is, is about people and relationships. And and my desire is to support you and to support us in our relationships with the people who are closest to us, to support you in the relationships that are closest to you. Second, because families are so varied in their makeup and their dynamics, please don't feel second rate if your family doesn't look just so. Or if yours is going through some major challenges. I believe God is not about shaming us, but he's about claiming us as his beloved. 
I believe that God is not about guilting us, but rather about building into us to become more like Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. God still convicts and disciplines. It's needed. It's necessary. We all need correction at times. And Jesus, by the way, was never married. So if you're single, please do not think of yourself as being second rate. Amen? And I believe that God is not about beating us, but he is rather about greeting us where we are and inviting us into relationship with him and to growing in that relationship with him and the people closest to us. And if you have very little family, because sometimes people find that they actually don't have very much family around them, I trust that you'll be able to apply what we cover to your closest relationships. Because you may say, you know what, my family, I don't have maybe many blood relatives around. My family are, are the, the people close to me, maybe part of the church. I said, man, they're my family. I say, bless you. And may these things be applied that way. Third, God loves us as our heavenly parent, as perfect heavenly father. And, and I want to remind that God is not a man. And sometimes that's one of the things that we just, we, all, we almost assume that or take that for granted because when we think of the term father, we think of our earthly relationships. But God is not a man. God is not a human being, though the second person of the Trinity became a human being. And so in that sense, yes, God was, God is. And he's waiting for us today that we will see him face to face. But God is a spirit. And the Bible tells us that God dwells, lives in unapproachable light. And so that in the reality of eternity in heaven, we will not need a sun because God is so luminous, so bright, so glorious that there won't need to be a sun, an S-U-N. God is revealed as a model father in scripture and revealed through Jesus as an intimate loving father because Jesus used the term when he referred to the father when he referred to God he referred to him as Abba not a Swedish band but an affectionate term meaning daddy and that Jesus even as a grown man had that kind of an intimate relationship that he would call the heavenly father he'd call him daddy showing the depth and the quality of the relationship that God wants with his children. And fourth, as a church, we receive the Bible as God's word. And so we look to it for God's design for our life, for direction in our lives, and even for God's design for family. If you've ever been overwhelmed with love for somebody, you ever been overwhelmed? When I saw that, that video clip again today, and, and the statements that were being made by parents to say, these are things that I would not say. These are regrets that I will not have as a parent. And I thought of, of that kind of love. If you've ever had overwhelming love for a child, whether your own child or grandchild or a niece or a nephew, just that I remember at times just watching either of our sons when they were young especially, and, and even this morning when I crept in to see uh, if our son was awake or not, and, and just to stand and watch them sleeping and to marvel 
at God's creative power and genius. And to marvel at how much my heart is filled with love for them. No matter what they or I may do, that love is just so deep. And I believe that at the time of creation, that's the kind of love that God had when he created And the Bible reveals that God's design at the time of creation, God's design for family was for that man, that Adam he created. Adam means man. For the man and the woman to come together to responsibly manage the earth and to be fruitful and multiply generation after generation after generation. That was God's design according to his word. But unfortunately, we're a selfish lot, aren't we? Is anybody here not selfish? Is anybody selfish? I know you're being honest because you know you are. I asked it negatively because because then nobody would raise their hand and we would all agree. Sorry. (laughs) We're We're a selfish lot. It's just part of our human nature. It's part of our of our flesh nature. It's part of our of our sin nature. And so in the name of progress, the earth that we have been given to steward, to manage well, is in increasing distress. And family that God designed is under frequent pressure, isn't it? And so because family matters to God and to us, we go to his word for direction. And I've used the title, Finding Faith. Because faith is foundational to strong and healthy families. Now, to be sure, religious beliefs can be misused. We think of ISIS, and we think of how religious belief has been misused horribly. We think of the California parents uh, who would have called themselves Christians. And yet, their faith was misused and, and, and terribly, terribly used for abuse. In 2007, a survey by the Associated Press and MTV found that people aged 13 to 24 who described themselves as very spiritual or religious tended to be happier than those who didn't. And I believe it's not just about psychology. I believe it's because about, it's about relationship with God. That was because that was affirmed in a study conducted in Britain between 2012 and 2015, it was a longitudinal study, it was a longer study that, that followed uh, a few hundred thousand people. And it showed that Christians were among the happiest people in the nation, while those who identified as having no particular religion scored generally as the lowest life satisfaction numbers. Isn't that interesting? Maybe not surprising to many to say, yeah, I... I recognize and understand, we've heard it from many studies over the years, that that faith relationship with God brings a quality of life and even of happiness and joy that is different if we didn't have it. And often when we go through trials at celebration of life after celebration of life or funeral after funeral, we've so often heard people say, if I didn't have that relationship and that faith and that community that comes with it, I don't know how I could make it through. And I believe that. 
But it doesn't mean that family life is not without some drama and challenge, right? (laughs) Uh, You ever thought of family life being like theater? Uh, All the world's a stage. That is one of Shakespeare's most quoted phrases from the play As You Like It. And we often hear the word drama used when it comes to some of the more animated interactions between family members. You ever use that word? Oh, the drama. Well, I think it's a useful metaphor because uh, let me suggest, and and, and you might not agree with me, and, and all illustrations have their limits but but life is something like improv theater now improv theater when we think of improv we think of comedy and sometimes life is comedic uh, but sometimes life is incredibly dramatic but I think of life as being like improv theater because in improv there's an overall plot like you know where you're starting and you know where you're going in improv The beginning of this particular life story is very clearly laid out by the director-producer who is God. Creation is laid out, the beginning is laid out, the end is laid out. This is how it's going to begin, this is how it will end. And that's laid out in Genesis and Revelation. And then all of the actors, both seen and unseen, because there is a spiritual realm where there is a battle going on that we do not see and we don't fully understand. And I want to understand it more and more so that in our activity, God calls us into interacting in that realm. But all of the actors, both seen and unseen, are given some direction. But generally where things are supposed to go. Not a word-for-word script, but some pretty significant cues. Like when an improv group will stand before an audience and say, uh, give us a month of the year. Give us the name of an occupation. Give us a place in the world. And people will yell them out and they'll take those cues. Not scripted, but there will be some direction given. And for us, that's the Word of God. The Word of God doesn't script for us exactly what we're to do and to say every day, but there are some very important directions given, cues given from the Word of God to direct how we live out that improv life. And the reason I say improv is because God has given us that freedom from the time of creation to make our decisions and to decide whether or not we're going to follow God's directives as we make our choices And as we make our decisions in our real life drama, the word is the word of God and we choose to use it or we choose to ignore it and to make it up on on our own and to go rogue, which can really make the improv go south. And that's why I use the, the, the phrase finding faith. Because eventually each of us decides whether or not we will use the cues from the director. And, and, and even as we raise, for example, children in the faith, the time needs to come and there are junctures along the way when there are commitments and recommitments and there's understanding and deeper understanding as life goes on when we need to make it our own. Each of those children and grandchildren and young relatives that we love so very much has and will have that decision to make and to continue to affirm and reaffirm for themselves throughout their lives, as it is with us. I was raised 
for most of, of my childhood, I was raised uh, in a Christian home. But while my parents' faith, particularly that of my mother, was instrumental in shaping my spiritual faith, I had to come to that place where I really owned it myself, right? That we have to own it for ourselves. And that can be, that can be a pretty rocky part of that, that life theater. Because oftentimes what happens is people will leave from the directives given. And they will take off on their own and then things get pretty messy on the stage of life. And there are heartbreaks and there are challenges. Sometimes there's great conflict. And you actually see in the real life reality of the live stage that the actors are just not even getting along. And that is the reality of life. As Mark said, in our families, there may be those that we love so dearly and we so dearly want to see them lined up right behind Jesus, following him with all of their hearts. And our hearts cry that they would do that. And I want to give an opportunity for us to pray uh, when I'm finished yet. We have the opportunity to influence whatever age these might be at, whether your children or your grandchildren or niece or nephew. It could be the children of your neighbors, your co-workers, whoever they may be. Whether they're young, whether they're elementary age, whether they're high school, whether they're in college, wherever they may be. We have a wonderful opportunity to influence them. I'm going to take us to the first six verses of Proverbs chapter 22 for some simple wisdom about finding faith. Kind of a long introduction. I'm not not going to land at Proverbs 22 for a long time. It's the sixth verse that's most directly related, but I think all six are relevant. And, And I'm going to offer this morning from each of these verses a practical takeaway. Uh, for us in our lives of influence when it comes to our families. But first of all, let's uh, read these verses together. There are six verses. There are three slides. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be respected is better than silver or gold. Rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. In the paths of the wicked are snares and pitfalls, but those who would preserve their life stay far from them. Train up children in the way they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. A good name is more desirable than riches. To be respected is better than silver or gold. I trust you believe that. It's a great theory, but sometimes it's hard not to want both, right? Your example of faith and my example of faith is every bit as important, if not more, than our explanation of faith. Because faith must not be reduced to a theory or an explanation or a body of knowledge. 
are words of multiple meanings and faith has multiple meanings. And, and one way we would describe faith is, is we would say, well, my faith is, and then I would explain what it means. But faith without activity or faith without words, Jesus' brother James wrote, is dead. How you, as parents or grandparents, express and live out your faith may have a greater impact on your son or daughter than anything else. That comes from the book Sticky Faith. And I commend that book to you if you're interested in reading a book about family related to faith, Sticky Faith. Uh, there are two authors. One of them is, is uh, Chap Clark is his name. I can remember his name because it's an unusual one. But in that, in that book, there's another quote that goes, that a, a sociologist from the University of, of, of Notre Dame concluded, his name was Dr. Christian Smith, most teenagers and their parents may not realize it, but a lot of research in the sociology of religion suggests that the most important social influence in shaping young people's lives is the religious life model and taught to them by their parents. That has been borne out over and over again, including a number of years ago on the West Coast, there was a, a, another longitudinal study done by Youth for Christ or Youth Unlimited. And uh, those who are involved in that ministry might, might be familiar with it. But the question was asked to young people, who is the most important influence in your life? And uh, Pastor James and, 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 and Jason, who's, who works with YFC or Youth Unlimited and others, uh, there might have been a time in ministry where they thought, oh, they've got to say it's me. It's got to be their youth pastor. I'm the most important influence in their life. But far and away, far and above all of the influence, students said it's their parents. So for good or bad, remember that you have, I have a powerful influence on our children. Not just what we say we believe, but how we live it out. We are their most significant counselors in their lives. Whether we want to be or not, in some ways I would rather not. But we are. And so let me suggest as a takeaway how important it is for us to keep our word. Jesus said, don't, don't, don't make vows. He said, don't swear. Instead, let your yes be yes, let your no be no. And I believe that both in our promises that we would give and also in our disciplining, that we need for our word to count for something. Because if, if I say to my, to my kids, hey, if you don't behave, uh, you're not going to get any supper tonight. I would suggest we not use that as a tactic, but rather that if we do say something like, then when we come home tonight, you're not going to get any dessert, that we follow through. In our home, we actually do not use the word promise. And that doesn't mean that we're, we're somehow we're special or better. But we have taken very literally Jesus' direction to let our yes be yes and our no be no, so that we don't have to say, okay, well, this time I promise. <laughs> But instead, I want to say, this is what I will do for you. And if there's any doubt, I will say, I'm going to do my very best to do this for you. 
Secondly, rich and poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. And the takeaway is let's take time to help our children develop their relationship with God by praying with them, by reading God's word with them, and talking about faith in natural ways and applying it to life as we go along with them. And I don't say that to to guilt anybody because it's never too late to embark on this journey if it's a practice that we haven't been involved in. And if you say, you know what, I don't like praying out loud. I'm really nervous to pray with my children. Here's my recommendation, my suggestion to you. You go to somebody that you trust who's a follower of Jesus. And you say, can you help me to do this? Uh, I've seen your example. I've seen your model. And I'm scared about doing this. It's something that, that I haven't been able to get over yet. I have a fear of it. Then you call on somebody you trust. And you, and you give this to the Lord. And he will take you to a new place. I believe that. The more control that we lose over our children as they get older and as they become more and more independent, the more we are driven to pray. And as Mark said, please don't give up on prayer. Or if you just prayed once or twice and said, well, it didn't work. God calls us to pray earnestly. Day after day after day after day. And he uses those prayers. That's how he chooses to work. Thirdly, the wise see danger and take refuge. But the simple, I think foolish is implied here, they just keep going and they end up paying the penalty. There's an old little song that we used to sing, Be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little ears what you hear. Be careful little feet where you go. Who we are when nobody's looking is who we are. And so for me first and for all of us, may we be careful what our eyes watch. May we be careful what our mouths say. May we be careful where our feet take us. And a a good rule of thumb, I believe, is that what we say and where we go and what we do and what we listen to, what we read, should be things that we would not be very uncomfortable doing with children. Or with other family members. I mean, there are things that we are, places we're going to go uh, that may be for the benefit of others. We might go with a friend to, to a bar and, and we shouldn't be uncomfortable there. Uh, because maybe that's the place that we need to meet them in order to be a friend to them. And we wouldn't take a child there. So within reason. But a good rule of thumb is, would a child be comfortable watching this with me? If Jesus were sitting beside me, because he is, (laughs) you can't see him, would he be comfortable with it? Our children become their parents in so many ways. They see a whole lot more than we think they do. And that's a little bit frightening at times, isn't it? Because when I've heard my son with a sense of humor that I go, oh, I think, yeah, I know somebody else who has a humor like that too. And I know where he got it from because he's just like his dad. And so I have to be careful. We all have to be careful. Verse 4, humility is the honoring of God. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Humility 
is not about self-deprecating. Humility is about allowing ourselves to learn from our mistakes and to be molded and shaped to become better people and more like Jesus. And so may we own up to our mistakes and may we be unafraid to apologize to our kids, to the people we influence. May pride not get so strong in our lives that we can't say, you know what, I messed up and I'm sorry. And to forgive when we need to forgive. There's another quote from that book, uh, Sticky Faith. Young people experience Jesus Christ when adults in the church give them grace, time, and genuine love with no hidden agenda. They just love them. I thank the Lord that even if you don't have children, that you can be a wonderful influence on children, on young people, on our students, just by the way that you show them value. Fifth verse, in the paths of the wicked are snares and pitfalls, but those who would preserve their life stay far from the snares and pitfalls. Now again, we need to be careful, little eyes and little ears and little feet. And let me suggest to really one of the the biggest points of this book, Sticky Faith, is that we would put other wise people in the path of our children. So in the paths of the wicked are snares and pitfalls, but those who would preserve their life stay far from them. And so we want our children to be influenced by people who make good choices and stay away from the pitfalls and snares of life. And one of the, I wish I had read this book years ago, but we, we worked on implementing it when we did come across it. And it's so, it means so much to me that there are other adults who speak into the lives of our children now that they are much more independent. So that I will even call a friend or two at some time or other and I will say, you know, my, my son's going through something. Uh, do you mind just giving him a call and saying, hi, how are you doing? Because we have that relationship on the side. And he's also, there are a couple of people that, that our older son will call on his own because that relationship has been developed. We all need relationships with more than just a couple of people. And so we value those other strong believers in the lives of our children. You know, it is very common, Evangelical Fellowship of Canada did a study that came out just in the last year and one that came out a few years ago. It's very common for young people when they get into high school and when they get out of high school to have a lot of other influences, like in college and university, and I am one of them. That when I was in college and university, I was not nearly as committed to the church and to the Lord as I should have been, as I could have been. But there were people who, who were in my life, there were, because I had more than just my parents who were influencers of faith in my life, there were more people that I had to check out from if I wanted to do what I wanted to do, which made it all the more difficult for me to more or less abandon my faith. I mean, I had to go through that time of being called back by God into a much more sincere relationship with Him. And I thank the Lord that, that I never totally left. But partly it's because there were other people in my life that helped to be that strong influence. You are not alone. Amen? And if you're in the, in, the, in the situation where some loved ones are not on the path that you wish they were, uh, please understand 
And don't walk it alone. Please understand that you, you need not be alone. And finally, the verse that is well known by, by many Christians is train up a child in the way that he or she should go. And even when they're old, they will not forget it. They will not leave it. And to this, I want to suggest, I want to say, please help your children, your grandkids to dream. You know, one of the things that happens when we get older is we forget what it's like to dream because life just becomes more and more of a drudgery and work becomes work and you know how life gets like that. And we stop dreaming. We stop thinking about, wow, wouldn't it be cool if, wouldn't it be amazing if, wouldn't it be great to try something new? And then when children dream and they say kind of far out things, sometimes parents or adults will say, that's silly, that's ridiculous, don't even, don't even think that. But this is a child who's at a totally different developmental stage than you or I are. They haven't gotten to the place of forgetting how to dream. And we need to encourage that. I mean, not ridiculous dreams, right? We don't want them to enact a dream like uh, my, my, my precious wife did when she was a teenager, when she was convinced she could fly. And she went into the hay mow and tried and, and broke a bone. So we don't want them to do that. We want to help them to be realistic. But like that video showed, may we not be too busy to do things with them to help them to discover where the path of life may take them. Because this particular verse, verse 6 of Proverbs 22, is really about training up a child in the way that he or she should go according to how God has wired that child, what the giftings and abilities and skills that child has. And that's why I say help them to dream to discover who they may be and what they will become, and what God is birthing in them to become as they grow into adulthood. May we not be too busy to do things with them, and may we not be too busy to model for them what it is to share our faith with others, to bless other people. I don't mean banging Bibles over people, I mean blessing people in the name of Jesus. Taking our faith and putting feet to our faith. And to that, I want to say that we are going to be doing another four Wilmot in about four weeks. It's going to be around the 8th of June. I'm going to be bringing you some more information. I have, I, I want it to happen so much and I realize that it can be draining. And so I, I'm going to give uh, leadership to that. And uh, please understand if I don't do it as well as Julie, because she's just like an amazing organizer. Um, God still loves me. <laughs> All right? But we want to bless our community together. Amen? Amen. And those are great opportunities to do that. And, and we've been challenged similarly in, in the next week and weeks to come as families to do things together as family. And we want to do that as a church family and as biological and adoptive uh, families together as well. I want to give you a few minutes uh, at this time to pray about these things. Um, we have up here on the slide some of these very practical takeaways. And as you've heard them and as you look at them, you know, the Holy Spirit may be nudging at you and saying, here's one for you to be giving a little bit of emphasis to, whichever one it might be. And if you look at the ball and say, wow, I could grow in them all, because we probably all could grow in them all, please don't be overwhelmed. But the Spirit may be saying to you, 
this is where I want you to be investing in the lives or the life of a young person that you have some influence over. And I want you to take some time right now, as I will too, as I invite the musicians to come, uh, just to offer some prayer to the Lord right now. Your heart might be, as I say, your, my heart, your heart might be heavy about some relationship. Your heart might be filled with joy about your kids and say, wow, we have just been so blessed. Thank you, Lord. And then you, you can just offer some praise to him. But I'm, I'm just going to ask for some music to, uh, to be played, played quietly. We'll take a couple of minutes. If, if uh, you're with family members and you want to pray together, I don't mind if, if, if uh, you pray out loud. I want to take a couple of minutes. And what's on your heart to pray, whether it's for your children or your grandchildren or, or, or a neighbor child or for yourself, uh, let's take that time right now and offer some more prayer to the Lord. Uh, children are a blessing from the Lord. They are so precious. Families are a blessing from the Lord. And let's commit them to him right now. Okay, let's do that. Bless you as you pray. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.